podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy, welcome to today's show. This one is jam-packed. We got a listener voicemail, just to let you know how much we dig the voicemails and the emails and all the feedback from you guys. This one prompted the entire episode, and we've also got the boss man in motion, in a car, en route to a family holiday on a tropical island, one that hopefully will factor into the show in the coming weeks. And we've also got the return of one of our favorite guests of all time. But first, a new Dynamite Deal. Yo, welcome to the Deal Den. It's another Dynamite Deal. This deal is all about making your business look better. Many of us have day-to-day design needs or week-to-week design needs in our company, but we don't have the budget for a full-time design staff, unfortunately. Today's deal partner solves all that. You get unlimited design services and unlimited revisions. They typically get back to you in two days. So this is like having a designer on staff for one low price. And because it's a dynamite deal, that price is lower than it's ever going to be 35% off today. Check out the examples of the sorts of designs and assets they can build for your business. We've got them all posted over at dynamitedeals.co. That's right. You won't have to interview any designers or do portfolio reviews or wrangle people on Upwork or do another logo design contest. All you got to do is sign up one low monthly rate and unlimited design services. Start looking good. Why not up-level your brand this year and do it with today's deal partner, ManyPixels. Check out this amazing offer over at dynamitedeals.co. We've got 25 packages available. So if you're thinking about taking advantage of this deal, act fast. So before we get to today's conversation and I dial up the boss man, let's roll the voicemail I mentioned at the top. Hey, Dan and Ian, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, and I love the mailbag episodes. And I would like to hear more about the trucks and RVs, that portion that you guys cut out. So personally, I have an F-150 and it's a 2005 I got that truck back in 2006 before I was into entrepreneurship. I paid about $12,000 back then. And recently, I argued that driving this beater pickup has been worth about $55,000 or more just by investing in like Vanguard index funds and foregoing any sort of car payment. So maybe I'm just trying to get you guys to tell me that I'm smart and I've made a good decision. But Anyway, I'd love to hear more about these RVs and trucks. Thanks for all the awesome shows over the years and keep up the excellent work. Doug, big shout out for your call. And those of you who are not familiar with a Ford F-150, it is sort of the classic American full-size pickup truck. And the reason the F-150 I think is relevant in the entrepreneur space is I read an article one time that said, what is the most popular car by and large amongst millionaires? And you'd think, oh, is it a Mercedes Benz? Is it a BMW or whatever? 
And no, the answer is the Ford F-150. I've always thought that that was such a cool thing because here's a reliable truck that's built to do work. And of course, of course, the most popular car amongst millionaires would be something that's useful, would be something that is potentially profitable and something that has a good resale value and can last for a long time. So good job on the F-150, Doug. And it's amazing. We did cut out this enormous part about RVs or recreational vehicles in a recent episode, and the emails came flooding in. We want to hear about these amazing mobile contraptions. I mean, the whole show is about doing business on the road while you're traveling occasionally. So let's dive into it today. And to do it, we brought two enormous RV geeks on the show, one of whom is on the payroll, the boss man. So I gave him a call to ask him a little bit about today's conversation. Hello? Boss man. Yes. I'm calling you at past midnight, my time. A theme on the pod that's coming up, time zone disconnect. I miss being on your time zone, brother. I miss it too, and I'm actually headed to yours. Not in this crappy Toyota Corolla that I'm driving, but I'm driving in the Corolla to get on the plane to get on six more planes to be in your same time zone. Looking forward to it, man. But today, we are talking about driving. We're talking about living the mobile lifestyle through mobile homes and RVs. I know a topic you're really passionate about. Trailer living is definitely a lifestyle. We pile in our trailers several times a year, and uh, we live on the road like gypsies. But seriously, I think four people last year came to D.C. Austin, our big event in Austin, in an RV. Like they traveled across America in an RV, and then they came to the conference. And I think this is just getting to be more and more commonplace because it's a way that you can baseline for very cheap and run and start a business. So, Ian, we did it recently did a, an episode about cars and... The listeners came in force. Doug's voicemail is just one of them. They want to hear more about this RV lifestyle. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of putting the conversation we're about to hear to tape today? Like, what, what What's the backstory to d- today's episode? I have a friend, Corey, who's going to be on the episode today. And Corey is one of the first people that introduced me to, to the RV lifestyle. He's probably owned more of these machines than anybody I know because for a time, he was buying and selling them. And actually, I bought and sold a couple of them with him. And it kind of just like opened my eyes into this whole new world. It didn't click with me until there was no checkout time. It didn't click with me until I didn't have to board a plane. It didn't click with me until I could stay in a destination as long as I wanted to. And like, as soon as I started to understand like the real freedom behind RVing, and it wasn't until I actually did it that I become obsessed with it. So we're going to get rolling with this conversation that you had with Corey, who was also on the episode, The Art of the Deal, which is honestly one of my favorite TMBA episodes. What can the listeners expect from this conversation about RVs? Maybe if they're not... I mean, a lot of us, Ian, we don't think we're interested in RVs. So should we just turn off the episode now? Or what's, what's your sales pitch for this one? I think... Once you go on a trip, you'll be hooked. And there's a lot of different ways to do that without having to buy an RV. You can rent an RV pretty easily now. If you're listening to this episode and you've ever even just like thought, like, I wonder what that's like for a weekend. We're going to walk you through the, like, the different machines. 
I think it, from the outside, Dan, it can be very intimidating both to own one of these, but then even to just drive one because they're much larger than the cars that we drive every day. So we'll walk you through like some of the easiest machines to drive. We'll walk you through, if you like it, what to look for when you need to buy one. You might not have any interest in RV living, but if you have a friend or if you might do it in the future, certainly you'll be able to participate in the conversation after you listen to this. Why are you on the telephone right now? I'm headed to Houston, and then from Houston, I'm getting on like five or six planes to get to Boracay, <laughs> which is a small island in the Philippines, which I think you visited. They shut it down for a while. Now it's reopened, and I'm not going for the grand reopening. No, I'm going for a wedding. Dan, as you know, in the beginning, early days of our business, we missed many a wedding. So I'm getting on a plane because I got talked into it. I don't know if you remember, Ian, but one of our very first episodes, I was in Boracay. And you called me when I had just arrived on the island. The situation was tenuous in terms of the technology, to say the least. So I think <laughs> we might have to do a follow-up here in the next few weeks. I'm up for it. <laughs> All right. Well, safe travels, and we'll get rolling with the episode. One piece of housekeeping. On the call, Ian left me some notes about some things he thought might need clarifying along the way because things do get a little bit technical from time to time. And I, being the boss man's business partner, I'm decent at both forging his signature and also deciphering what he's trying to say from time to time. So I'll be stumbling in here now and again. But enough of the preamble, let's get to it. So Ian started this conversation by asking Corey to give an outline of the different sorts of RVs on the market. Let's start with Class A motorhomes. Class A motorhomes are bus chassis. They present and appear to be a bus, except they're going to have more windows and sometimes often larger windscreens. Willie Nelson lives in one of these. Miley Cyrus lives in one of these. These things are massive. A tour bus would be a prime example of a Class A motor coach. Prevost is a good example where they can be million-dollar buses. So some of these tour buses are seven figures. There might even be an eight-figure one at this point. You recognize it as looking like a bus. That means it's going to be the roomiest rig that you can get in most cases. The Class A is partly comfortable because since it's the shape of a rectangle, every single bit of that space inside of it is usable. You're not going to bump your head in a Class A motorhome. It's got seven or eight foot ceilings all throughout it. A lot of times it has storage underneath it for large items, including small motorcycles. A lot of times it has slide outs. That's what's referred to when you see part of the wall move outwards. Um, once you park these things, you can pull your slides out. The Class A I have right now is a 30-foot Class A motorhome and has two slides. We've spent a lot of time in that rig. It's very comfortable. The advantage I think a Class A motorhome has is it's a very luxurious motor coach. So when you're traveling in it, you feel like you're in a home. It's usually got a little bit more appeal in the design department. They really go a little bit out of their way to make it feel like a house and to be more luxurious. So when you're traveling in a Class A, like we said, the party starts right when you leave the driveway. There's plenty of room for activities. You can nap. You can eat. You can go to the bathroom all while traveling down the road and making miles. The downside to a Class A is it has usually has more systems, and oftentimes they're harder to get to to repair them. It has more water lines. It has two air conditioners, it has two heaters, it has a lot more systems, a lot more things to go wrong. 
has commercial grade tires on it, which are sometimes $400 a piece. 22 and a half inch tires, which are more expensive. And oftentimes it's almost always six tires. A lot of times you can't get these things in and out of drive-throughs, driveways, under bridges sometimes. Finding parts for them is difficult. You know, there are times where I walk into a parts dealer with the part in my hand trying to figure out what in the world it came off of because they kind of just take parts from everything. You'll see a lot of Class A motorhomes too with the, you'll notice, hey, that's a Mustang taillight going down the road on a motorhome. What is going on with that? So you see a lot of that because they're just getting creative about how to make this thing work. Yeah, they call them coach builders. And a lot of times they'll buy these chassis from these truck manufacturers and then they'll build these one-off coaches. And a lot of times they'll do like, short runs because they're really expensive. And what you're saying is absolutely true, which is it becomes very hard to source parts for these things because you call the manufacturer and you say, hey, I have this. And you say, oh, we only made a couple of those. I'm not really sure what taillight we were using in that year. So these generally aren't like super mass produced. The class A has its pitfalls there. You're definitely going to have a more difficult owner experience and maintenance experience with a class A motorhome. Class B, class C? Class B motorhomes are going to be your vans, and then they have Class B Plus, which is a van with a big butt. So that's usually a a little bit uh, fiberglass rear or something along those lines. So a Class B is going to be your sportsmobile, your sprinter vans, any kind of van that's been converted into a living quarters. These are becoming increasingly popular, and I would wager that the Class B is the most popular motorhome on the market right now. Because essentially what a Class B is, is it's a van that's been converted into an RV. And so it's very manageable to drive, very manageable to park. 17 to 23 feet long is the range for most Class Bs. That's the draw. I see a lot of people that have never driven motorhomes before start out in a Class B van because it's not intimidating. If you can drive a car, you can drive a Class B van. And most people feel comfortable with it since it's the smallest of the small in in the motorhome department. The downside to a Class B, I would say, is that it's a tight living quarter. So it's one or two people, one or two people and a small child, maybe. Lisa makes a joke. My wife makes a joke that every time I bump my head in a Class B motorhome, it gets sold when I get home. So that's annoying. The simplicity of it is appealing, and the size of it is appealing. So that's what makes them so popular right now. And it's still got a proper bed in it. It's still got a bathroom and a a shower if you get the right one. A lot of them don't have showers, or a lot of them have outside-only showers. The other thing with a Class B is there's the most variety of any motorhome is in a Class B, I'd say. Also, because they're built usually on a van chassis, very easy to work on. Like you can drive this thing up to any repair shop and get it worked on. Any mechanic will recognize everything on it except for the water pump, the air conditioner, and the heater. And those are all simple things to fix. So probably the most popular these days is Class B because... They're maneuverable and they're, well, I shouldn't say they're affordable. That's what I was about to say. But they can be. Gosh, they're getting expensive, some of they, them. They can be. They're, yeah, there are, <laughs> there are $200,000 Class Bs now. Which is like a $200,000 van, which blows my mind. It blows my mind, too, because yeah. I know that it cost them $87,000 to build it. It's a $60,000 van with a $30,000 interior in it. And, you know, they can do it in a stylized way, but they still got less than hundred grand in that thing. Class C. Class C motorhome. Class C is going to look like a van on the front, and it could also look like a Sprinter van or like a E350 or, or Chevrolet van, but they're cutaway. It's just the front part of the van only and then a big frame and chassis, and they get them from the dealership that way where they're just a chassis. The coach builder will go in there and build a custom back for it, so it's going to be 
you know, fiberglass or some kind of composite material where they'll build the back of the van out and basically build a box on the back of it. Right. So class B is like the van and sometimes they'll extend the van. It'll have like a pop-up top on it or whatever. Class C, they will actually chop from right behind where the driver is off and then they'll build a huge box on there. Yep. And sometimes it has an overhang for the bed. So that oftentimes I have multiple beds in there and all kinds of different options, but the sky's the limit on how it could be laid out as far as the floor plan goes. Those Class C motorhomes come in lots of different chassis, so you can get Chevrolet, Ford, Dodge, whatever. They are easy to work on like a van, a little bit more complex systems. There's usually more air conditioners or more heaters or more things, uh, more water lines, that kind of thing. But generally, it's the same thing as a van, and some of the smaller ones are just as easy to work on, just as simple as the van. The small Class Cs are really popular right now. But they go to, you know, they still go to 40 feet long. Yeah, that's the thing I think is cool about these Class Cs is you can get them almost as big as a Class A, but it's essentially on like a consumer-grade chassis and consumer-grade power plant. So you can work on it yourself or you can have a mechanic work on it. A lot of times they'll put two wheels in the back to deal with the load. But essentially, it's it's nothing super foreign. You know, the Class A is just like a foreign beast. A lot of times it's a one-off, very expensive on a special chassis, class B and C is more a consumer grade product. The great thing about a class C motorhome is you can still get a small package with a big roomy interior. So you can get a, a queen bed in there. That's always down. I don't like the conversion beds and things. There's a million different beds that are a couch and then they make into a bed mm-hmm. or they're a table that makes into a bed. In my experience, those are all uncomfortable. I want to buy a high quality real mattress and put it in my RV. A lot of times these class C's have slide outs as well, like the class A. So you park it and some of these have two and three slides. I mean, they can get pretty ginormous for the actual size that they are riding down the road. You know, slides are another can of worms. They can something to break and something to leak, but they make a huge impact in what the living quarters feels like. All right. I'm going to do some definitional work here. So far, we've gotten a bit of a feel for the landscape of the drive and live-in RVs that are often called motorhomes, but there's another type of RV, and those are the types that you attach to the rear of a vehicle. And these are often called camper trailers or caravans. And there's another category of these trailers called fifth wheel haulers. And a fifth wheel is one of those large hitches that's on the back of like a legitimate big truck or lorry. And you can actually put those fifth wheels and affix them to the back of a pickup truck. And this allows you to carry more weight and have more maneuverability and stability than in a classic camper that's just going to be on a hitch. And one other term I want to mention is a toy hauler. So a toy hauler simply is a camper trailer. It looks very similar to a standard camper trailer. The back of a toy hauler actually folds down into a ramp. And so the back part of the trailer can be used to put an ATV or a motorcycle or other, quote, toys in the back. So fifth wheels are neat. Fifth wheels are usually more luxurious. So fifth wheels I equate to being similar luxury-wise to Class A's in most cases, the newer ones especially. They are always going to have big high ceilings and big roomy interiors, and sometimes they have slides. If it's a toy hauler, often it won't have a slide because obviously you need all the interior space for a vehicle or motorcycles. So my toy hauler is a non-slide 20-foot garage. Bedroom is upstairs. <laughs> That's always something interesting. There's, a, there's actually a stairway that leads to the bedroom and bathroom. 
That's kind of fun. I like the fifth wheel thing. The downside to the fifth wheel is now we're in a trailer. And when you're in a trailer, you are subject to driving cross country in a truck instead of in a party bus. Uh, A couple other things. People are probably thinking Airstream. People are probably remembering these little pop-up deals that you saw when you were a kid. It's like this little flat thing, and then all of a sudden it opens up into a tent. What are some of these other more obscure things that people tow behind their vehicles? So you mentioned travel trailer, and that's going to be the same basic setup as a fifth wheel, only usually not as luxurious. So that'd be a bumper pull trailer. Then we do have pop-ups. They're still making pop-ups, and there's a million pop-ups that were built before that. Pop-ups are practically free. They're really cheap. A canvas side tent style pop-up, man, you can, I've seen those things sell for $1,000. The downside is that you're basically outside. When when you pop this thing up, you're camping. So you're not really shielded from the elements. I, the I think of a pop-up as a really nice tent instead okay. of as a RV. But they do have RV amenities, so I, I, I should give them a little more credit. And there are newer and better pop-ups coming out. There's hard side pop-ups, soft side pop-ups. There's a-frame pop-ups where they pop up into like an A-frame style house. There's all kinds of different things in that market. So there's if you have a, a light duty tow vehicle, you're gonna probably want to explore that market to see, you know, if you can work with your existing vehicle you have now, you could probably find something that you can tow with almost anything. Are we missing anything? A good thing to mention would be like uh, fiberglass campers. So scamp. They make those little travel trailers that are all fiberglass, like a boat. It's two pieces of fiberglass, and they just put them together like a shell. This is like the cutesy, like, 50s Art Deco-looking things. Like, these things have been around for a while, but I think people are getting reacquainted with them, which is like very small units that you tow behind. Maybe maybe two people, one or two persons. There's a lot of different varieties there. The thing I like about the Scamp is that it's fiberglass again, so it's not going to leak. They do make some that are tin some older, you know, really stylish ones that are tin and all that. And I worry about that. Like I worry about buying an old wooden house in the middle of nowhere. Right. But I love the fiberglass campers. That's why I always like to talk about those because they're just less maintenance and warmer and more comfortable. And easy to park places. Like even if you live in a residential area, you might be able to tuck one of these away. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in your backyard, you know, where you open your Open your fence up because you live on a street where you can back up, you know, up over the curb and into your backyard and hide it. A lot of times you don't need a truck, like a big diesel truck like we have. You know, you can pull it behind the family station wagon or whatever. Yeah, a lot of people can pull off miracles with some of those littler trailers. Another one that we need to talk about for sure is going to be kind of a new category, but the truck camper. So I just want to buzz in and give a little snapshot of a truck camper. Truck campers, they don't involve a hitch. They're quite simply boxes that sit on the back of pickup trucks. They'll often have an extension with windows and stuff that extends over the top of the cab. If you own a pickup truck now and you're not sure what you want to do for an RV, a truck camper is a fantastic way to get into RV life. And it's cheap and they can go anywhere your truck can go. The only downside being that it usually requires a at least a half-ton truck, but usually three-quarter ton or one-ton pickup truck for that kind of thing because it's oftentimes my, my truck camper is 2,500 pounds. If you could imagine we're standing next to a Mazda RX-7 right now that weighs 2,500 pounds. <laughs> exactly. So if, if you can imagine putting a 2,500-pound car in the back of your pickup truck, how that would change the way it drives, how that would change the way it yeah. sits and all that, that's the thing to consider with the slide-in truck camper. 
So in most situations, if you have a half ton and even a three quarter ton, a lot of times you have to do some customization to your truck, like put airbags on it, something to make it safely go down the road with this massive and, uh, and camper mounts. in the back. Right. And mounts. So you add mounts and add airbags. And I also like to put airbags. I put airbags on mine, even though it didn't need it. It was sitting fine. The The weight was fine in the back of my three quarter ton Duramax truck, but the airbags allow me to adjust my ride height. So I can adjust my ride height for handling, and I can also adjust my ride height in the back for getting level. So I can park with the tail slightly down if I'm on an unlevel surface, and I can go out there and hit it with my compressor real quick and jack up the, the truck to level so I have a comfortable level place to, to sleep. And the reason we also do that is, number one, safety. So if you see, ever see a car going down the road or a truck going down the road pulling a trailer and the back's like really low and the front's really high, what happens is it unloads the steering, meaning there's not a lot of weight on the front tires that steer the vehicle. And you go to steer the vehicle, especially in an emergency situation, and nothing happens because there's no weight on those, those wheels. So we'll use devices like airbags to uh, equalize the weight. So tell me a little bit more about these truck campers, because it seems like a, like you said, if you already have a truck, it seems like an easy segue into this life. It is. It's an easy, it's an easy pass through. And the neat thing about a truck camper is it literally just slides into the back of your truck. It has jacks on it. It jacks up, you back under it, and then you drop the jacks and set the weight of the camper on the truck. You can park these things. You can live in them while they're off the truck or on the truck. They're easy enough to remove. You can go to a campsite, pull the truck out from under the thing and drive it without it. But I find that I don't need to take it off because it's little. My truck is no different. It's the same length. The only thing that changed with my truck is now it's a little bit slower and it's a little bit taller. Like you said, good for one to two people, maybe three if they're close family or dog. You can get some with slide outs and things and, and get away with three people. And the problem becomes if you get into the luxurious truck campers, they get heavy. And if they get heavy, you're buying a real truck. If you're buying a real truck, you need a diesel. If you're buying a diesel, it needs a warranty. So now you're buying a brand new truck. So the trap that I that I laugh about with people a lot with truck campers is you got a great deal on a $5,000 truck camper and you had to go buy a $70,000 truck to pull it. That's kind of the case with all these things. It's really tough, I think, when you're looking from the outside because what happens is like the pairings are really important. So you find a trailer you like, well, you better have a truck that can pull it. You already have a truck, well, then you need to get a camper that works well with that. Absolutely. That's the biggest struggle. And I've fallen in the trap a lot. You know, my fifth wheel was a prime example. I bought that fifth wheel, oh, maybe eight years ago. And I just never, I never let it go because it was so unique. But that fifth wheel, I got a great deal on it. I think I bought it for $8,000 10 or 12 years ago and it's worth 20 at the time. But the first thing I did was I went out and bought a brand new truck. It was because I pulled it with my, I had a Duramax at the time, which is a perfectly capable truck, but it was short bed. It didn't like the load. It was, it had a small fuel tank in it. So I was topping off the fuel too often. I was irritated by the lack of maneuverability with a short bed. So I got rid of a perfectly good diesel truck to go buy a new truck. And my good deal suddenly wasn't a good deal anymore. I did the same thing. I bought a toy hauler that I really liked. And then I realized I didn't have enough truck for it. And then I spent, you know, three times as much on a new truck. So yeah, your little half ton Chevy did not like that, that trailer, did it? No, it wasn't enough. And part of the reason for that was because it was that capacity. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you're under capacity, especially when you're hauling, you know, you need to be at three quarters of the capacity of the truck and all this stuff is very well documented with the manufacturers. Remember this URL, smash digital. 
com slash TMBA. That's where you can get a free video mini audit of your site's SEO by the team over at Smash Digital. I've been hearing about these things. The listeners love them. So go get your free mini audit, smashdigital.com slash TMBA. Of course, not every entrepreneur or company can benefit from getting Smash Digital's SEO services involved. So I asked the founder, Travis Jameson, what sort of businesses tend to get the most benefit? Companies that are established and have a quality site. So people whose sites have good content already, if they've been somewhat SEO optimized, if they're modern, people who have businesses versus hacks, businesses do well. We have a company in the financial services space. They have raised tens of millions of dollars and they're valued at hundreds of millions of dollars. And their entire business is built on SEO. And it wasn't even good at first. So Smash Digital is not just another SEO company. They have skin in the game. They're using tried and true and tested techniques from Travis Jameson's own suite of businesses, and they're putting it towards their clients. So why not get your hands on that free mini audit and see what they're all about? Head on over to smashdigital.com slash TMBA. So we outlined the different types of trailers and then the different types of RVs. Let's talk a little bit about personas and who the different people are that are buying these rigs. You know, you've gone through probably at least 50 of these things to figure out what you like. If I'm on the outside looking in, how do I figure out what to get into? Because you buy and sell a lot of these people come to you, you get to see who all the different types of people are that are buying these machines. What are the different personalities and personas that you've come up with? Well, I think the first personality I see most often are people just like you and I, where they're adventurers. They're out looking for adventure and they want to go places other people can't go. And there are specialty RVs like the ones I love that take me to places that no one else can go in in a way that no one else can get there. And I can enjoy it in a luxurious capacity that people just don't get exposed to. So when I'm sitting in a mountaintop at 10,000 feet and I have all the amenities of home where everybody else had to hike there 15 miles or whatever. So that's, that's one personality I see a lot. Recreational users, also specialty users in that category would include people who race, people that want a way to tow their race car and have a place to stay when they get to the track. Or ride motorcycles like we do or pull horses. You need a, basically a habitat, a place to live while you're enjoying your recreational activities. A lot of times we're like pretty far away from a hotel. It's like not an option to like ride dirt bikes all day and then go to the hotel because you're in the middle of the woods. If you're somewhere worth being where no other humans are, that's a lot of fun. A lot of times there's nothing out there. You know, I like to be in the middle of nowhere where I can just go see what the world used to be like. Everybody's like, why don't you guys just tent camp? Once you get used to RV life, it's hard to go backwards into camping. And there, I have plenty of friends that do it, but I dream of it and talk about it. You remember last, this year I discussed us camping with hammocks. And you shot that down about 10 (laughs) seconds. We were both in our comfy RVs on Slate River Road in Crested Butte, Colorado, waking up to the beautiful sunrise and heater on and all this stuff. And one day we peeled off on our motorcycles, rip, rip, rip. And we're like going through the woods. And all of a sudden there are these two motorcycles and these two guys, probably 20 years our senior. 
And they're like packing up all this stuff. I'm like, oh man, are these guys wreck? Is it is all their stuff all over there? What's going on? No, they were tent camping on their motorcycles. And you know, for that brief moment that we stopped and talked to them and traded map stories and all that stuff, I thought, oh, that would be really cool. And then I just remembered like making coffee in my trailer and like the heat. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not. It's me. a romantic idea, but it's not nearly as fun when you get there when you're no roughing it. So there's adventures. The recreational users, that type of personality is pretty common. And they, these cross over too. But we also see people that are lifestyle designers or people that are lifestyle centric, where the only thing that matters to that individual is the quality of life. I see guys all the time in Colorado that they haven't made a dime in, in a year, but they're, they're living for free out of their motorhome. They've lowered their needs for money so much that they can live out of an RV and stay there for extended periods of time. And when they do need to make money, they get creative about doing it so that they can still have a the lifestyle they want, which is to be a mountain man. Yeah, there's so many places in, in the United States, and I don't know about Europe, but there's so many places in the United States where you can literally park these things for free for an extended period of time and have no overhead. Walmart. Walmart's one of them. It's not too fancy, but it's a place. I think the idea that you can essentially buy one of these rigs for anywhere from $2,000 to $2 million, depending on how much you want to spend, and live for free off the grid, it's a very possible thing to do. And the reason we're even talking about it on the show is because I've started to see so many people in this community living in RVs. And I think it's interesting. I think a lot of them are adventurers, but I also think a lot of them are just trying to baseline. And it's one of the cheapest ways to do that. You know, back in the day, we did it in Asia move to Asia, reduce your overhead. Well, there's another way to do it and it's an RV. So if you like America or you like RVs or you like the lifestyle, it's a way to basically cut your overhead to zero with a little bit of an upfront cost. Yeah, absolutely. Second home is another neat way to spin it. I'm guilty of this one too. My RV in Washington, I left it there for several months. So it was like a vacation home in Washington state. So I could go there anytime I wanted, fly in, go play with it, do quick little jaunts with it or do a long trip. And I had that freedom and flexibility to do that. That was great fun. Yeah, I called you the other day and I was like, hey, Corey, what's up? Where are you? You're like, Washington. And I knew that you had your truck with your truck camper. And I, okay, cool. Uh, like a couple of days later, I was like, well, what's up? And you're like, oh, I'm in Austin. I'm like, huh? I'm like, how'd you get back that fast? You're like, oh, I didn't. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, oh, I just left it up there. I'm like, what do you mean you just left it up there? Yeah, I rented a storage unit. About an hour before our flight, almost missed the flight over it, and we ran down there to a storage unit. We paid them $190 a month to stick the RV there, and we parked it and plugged it into a little power outlet they had for me there, and we left it in a nice covered spot for under 200 bucks a month, and we came and went as we pleased. So this is kind of a crazy idea, and this is actually new to me. You can have a second home, maybe anywhere in the world, but certainly anywhere in the United States for a little bit of overhead, 200 bucks a month, depending on if it's covered, not covered, could be as cheap as 50. I know you've paid a lot less. Fly in and fly out from your second quote home, which is on wheels. Yep. And it could be a different home every month. You know, even in one state, it can be a lake house on a Tuesday and it can be an ocean side bluff on a Thursday and it could be anything you want it to be. That's a huge draw for me and something I've done before with the uh, fifth wheel too. I'll go leave it in Colorado. I'm like you. I'm like the RV evangelist. Anytime I meet somebody and they don't have an RV already, I'm like, why not? Why don't you have an RV? It's like, a, like, what do you mean you don't use a toothbrush? <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. You know, I'm trying to, I say I make RV dreams come true. 
And there are times where I sold an RV last month for a loss to someone just because I wanted to help them out because I wanted them to have the lifestyle and the experience I'm having. And they looked at me like I was crazy when I told them the price because I, I built a rapport with someone. I liked them and I threw them a bone. She said something to the effect of, this is the deal of a lifetime. Why would you do that? And I said, because I make RV dreams come true. That's why. Because it was that important to me that the vision that she had for herself going forward happened. And I provided a good deal and support mechanically and made sure that she had the van that she needed to go do all the things that she dreamed of with the van lifestyle that she's been frothing over for the last few years. I want to bring up somebody else, a persona close to my heart. He's actually my co-host. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA Podcast. And part of my job on this show today is to convert him. Dan doesn't have an RV? Dan is on the Honda Odyssey bandwagon. That could be an RV. Dan has a Honda Odyssey. He loves it. He loves it for all the same reasons that we like RVs. Plenty of space, move around, great on road trips. But he hasn't made the leap yet to living in his van. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's like a certain stigma around it. So what I keep trying to convince this guy of is like, look, you're already halfway there. And he says, oh, I like to stay in hotels. I like to do all... I'm like, dude, this is better than a hotel. Better than a hotel. So tell me how we can push Dan over the edge or someone like Dan over the edge. Because this guy has no problem driving across the country two or three times a year. But for some reason, he just doesn't want to live in his van. He hasn't seen the right van yet. Or he hasn't seen the right RV yet. Okay. One of the games I like to play is go to these RV shows. And there's now there's these also these super centers, like these RV super centers, camping world, super center, whatever. I walked into one the other day that was a warehouse. It looked like an old Walmart. It was just this enormous warehouse. All the RVs were inside. They were all unlocked. And I crawled in and out of those things and took pictures and dreamed and made ideas for hours. Super fun. So I would tell Dan, go explore and go crawl in and out of these things to where you see, once you understand that you can. Have a, a space that's all your own, that definitely doesn't have bed bugs, that is got all the amenities you're used to, and has all your stuff in it all the time. It's a total game changer. I think it's just a, a matter of experiencing it. Certainly, that was it for me. It was like it was just a matter of experiencing it for a couple of times, and then realizing like this is better than a hotel in pretty much every way. Joking aside, for Dan, like there was certainly a stigma around RV life for me, like. I almost thought it was like for a lower class citizen at some point in my life. And why did I think that? Is it because a lot of people that are a little bit less financially stable live in these things full time? Well, that's what stands out because RVs are an opportunity for any budget to have a place to stay. And you can see it when you go to California. I have a place in San Francisco and they have these old class A's and homeless people put them in some place where they wouldn't get harassed and they live in them full time. And it beats the hell out of being in a tent or being on the street and they have security and they have a nice, comfortable place to lay their head at night. Like I said before, there is no max budget or min budget for an RV. If there's that idea when you see that when you drive down downtown Oakland in some of these streets and you see all this RV mess and some of these RVs are falling apart and there's trash around them and it looks dumpy. So you see that and you remember it because it, kind of stands out in your mind. But also in the last 30 years, that used to be a way for people that just opted out of society to go live. And sometimes they didn't have the revenue. They didn't have the capability to make real money that we do now. So you can opt out now, as we all know, 
and have real financial resources available to you. Back in the day, if you opted out, it was because you, you were like fighting the man, you were a dirty hippie, right? People that would literally just live in a van and, and just tough it out because they just were that adamant about not participating in the capitalism that we had. To that point, like these RV parks were kind of a hodgepodge of these people, right? Like you drive by an RV park and you just think like, that's like a, a lower class citizen or a different type of citizen. And I think for a long time, myself included, before I kind of understood how all the pieces were put together, like that wasn't for me, but these RV parks are even changing now. So it's not full of people that are kind of on the fringes of societies. These are people that are very much in society that have chosen to live in these places. And more so every day. I mean, the the millennials really resonate with the RV lifestyle, and I see more and more people going into that direction for sure. We have so much work from home happening now where you can you know, get on a website and do your work for the day and then, and then close it up and go hiking. Uh, it's a total game changer for RVs and for people. So it is what you make it, and it, it includes everyone. So if by now your interest is peaked, I'm guessing there's one further thing on your mind. I think everybody's probably curious, like, how much it's going to cost to get into this lifestyle. So we can say a few things about uh, truck and trailer how much the truck is going to cost, how much the trailer is going to cost. A lot of you might have trucks already, especially if you're a small business owner. There's a great deduction to be had there if you're using it for your company. Let's talk about minimum entry point to RVs specifically. Let's talk about like comfortable entry point where like I don't have to worry about this thing every week. And then let's talk about I'm definitely going to lose my ass on this. It's depreciating quickly. So the first thing I'll talk about regarding budget is you have to think back to our flipping podcast and realize that there are two different prices for RVs. There are needs a little work and it's distress sale, and then there's retail. If you're buying a highly desirable RV like an Airstream, which I don't know why they're as desirable as they are, but they are very competitive. If you're buying an Airstream or a Bigfoot slide-in truck camper that everybody wants, if it's something desirable, you're going to expect to pay closer to retail for it. If you're opportunistic and you're just looking for a deal, you can buy them for less than half price all the time, consistently, if you're quick. $5,000 is minimum entry point for someone that's handy, that's willing to deal with something that they're not entirely proud of all the time. $5,000, though, and I mean, put this relative to a house. $5,000 runs, it drives, gets you to where you need to be, and you can live in it full time. That's pretty amazing. And if you have a truck, it's pretty common to get a decent travel trailer for five to seven thousand dollars, even even retail for like the low end travel trailers. It's not gonna be something you bring your parents home to and you're like, look what I've made it <laughs> for sure. But if you need accommodations or you need, you know, a deer lease or you need a, a place to stay in the mountains, yeah, it can do that for you and affordably. Now, what's a realistic budget I tell people when they're trying to break into a motor home? They don't wanna work on it they don't then they want to be proud of it 15 to 25,000 dollars is the number where you're going to buy something that's turnkey that you're proud to show off to your friends and you're not embarrassed to be seen in and a lot of times these were 50 100,000 dollar rigs when they were new almost always six figure rigs yeah. when you're talking about motorhomes they're 80 to 120,000 dollars is what their what the price was when they were new so just to clarify Corey, you and I have never bought anything new except for our trucks outside which have warranties on them when you're talking about RVs, 
you're almost never buying them new. I can't, I don't care how much money you have. I can hardly imagine buying an RV new because they depreciate so fast. Yeah, the depreciation will crush you and so will the interest because it's a 20-year note and it's depreciating faster than you're paying it off. And the interest is so high on so much money that it, it gets out of hand there. The only justification for buying a new RV, in my opinion, is that you have unlimited resources financially and you want it. That's one. The other reason you do it is because you have decided you're going to do a fractional or do RV shares or something like that. And you're going to try to cash flow that thing. Some or a little of your payment will be cash flowed through some sort of revenue generating strategy. Talk about making money with an RV. All you got to do is put it up for sale around Burning Man time. Yeah. Within like a thousand mile radius and you will get hit up. At least this was a couple years ago. Yeah, there, it's Burning Man still super hot. And the other thing we get all the time is people calling trying to rent our RV and pay insane, unreasonable numbers per day to rent the RV for Burning Man. And I haven't done it yet, mainly because of RVs rarely come back from Burning Man in the same condition they left in. So you have to weigh that as far as how much damage you're going to incur. I don't know if this has changed, Corey, but like last time I checked, like RVs really didn't have great warranties on them. You know, it's not like a truck with a hundred thousand mile warranty and all this like dealer service and stuff like that. A lot of these are built by coach makers. They buy the chassis of the truck and then they build, you know, the class C or class A. You have the warranty sometimes of like the motor and the drivetrain, but not so much the house and the amenities and all that. Yes, and RVs, when they're new, always what we call it a sorting out period. The first year of an RV, the first few trips you take, even a new RV, things break. And people don't realize that, but they'll buy a brand new $300,000 motorhome and take it out and have three things break and bring it back to the factory. And they'll fix it usually for free or cheap, but they don't expect a new thing to break. And it, just because it's new doesn't mean it won't break because there's so many things that have to work in harmony on these high-end motorhomes that they're, they can be as problematic, if not more so than an older one. I think it's all the more reason, like it's nothing you can't find on YouTube. You have to be a little bit resourceful, I think, to be in this world, but you can get a $100,000 rig for $20,000. And there are some companies that really stand behind their equipment. There are some manufacturers out there that you don't have to worry about that are going to take care of you if something goes wrong, but it's not going to be as easy as you, as you imagine. And it's not going to be trouble free just because it's new. But yeah, there's totally opportunities to make money, I think, from these machines. There's opportunities to buy them for half price or less. And I think the reason why this is important is because this life isn't for everybody. How can you get into it as cheap as possible? How can you try it out? You know, you've owned like 50 of these things. So every kind of different rig you've owned, you've realized like this is what it's good for. This is what it's bad for. You've also, I think, realized that there's no ultimate rig. You've got all these different machines for all these different missions. If you're going to be in this life for a while, I think that's kind of what happens is you get in and out of vehicles. And so if you can buy them in a way that you won't lose your ass. Yeah. And it's, it's the same strategy you use for anything else. If you're trying to buy a house or you're trying to buy a car, if you're patient and opportunistic, you can get it for 50, 60, 70% of what it's actually worth. And then it doesn't matter what you do. Then you can have some fun with it and you can actually enjoy yourself because you're not worried about, oh, I damaged the RV a little bit. And now it's going to be worth less and now I'm losing money. That's never has to factor into my to my fun. It's always I'm in this for half price. Whatever happens, happens. And if I have to leave it here in Colorado and, and sell it for scrap, then I'll do that too. That's a nice feeling to have. And that's why I like the older RVs too. I don't like the huge money RVs. Most of my RVs are under under thirty five to forty thousand dollars. And a lot of them are ten thousand dollars or less, where it's just like, 
whatever happens, happens. Go have fun. It's a tool. Use it as such. Big thanks to Corey for coming by the show and sharing his experience again, an all-timer. Corey has just been one of my favorite guests on this show over the years. It's so fascinating for me to hear from people who just have a genuine and disinterested interest in something, if that makes sense. Like They're not interested in it because of something necessarily. They're just genuinely passionate about the topic, and I definitely heard that in today's episode. You know, Ian's been trying to convince me to get into this RV lifestyle for a while. I can't say my interest isn't peaked. One of the things I always fantasize about is uh, using an RV to go on a podcast tour. We just never quite gotten around to it, but something worth mentioning. Who knows? Maybe someday in the future, we'll use one of these beautiful machines to meet many of you out there on the road. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for your emails, your voicemails. They always help to inspire us. If you want to check out the show notes and links to everything mentioned in today's episode, head on over to tropicalmba.com slash RV. And speaking of TMBA episodes, we will be back as always next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.